Sue and Graham, good morning everyone. Hello, especially to our high schoolers who are in with us through uh, through the holidays. As you guys know, uh, the fresh programs and our youth and kids programs uh, for on Fridays and Sundays are on hold during the holidays. And uh, I'm part of the Zone team, the Friday afternoon kids club. And we had a meeting on on uh, Friday, a leaders meeting to plan the plan the term ahead. And the devotion led by um, Amelia, you're here today, hello, uh, f- uh, f- uh, helping us all uh, focus on Jesus was all about perseverance, encouraging, uh, encouraging us as leaders to persevere. This was very pertinent because some of the leaders are uh, about to do their HSC and so they're, they've finished school, now they need to persevere in their study before the exams come. Uh, many of the leaders lead year six, and uh, it's so it's term four, year six. That they all need to persevere through uh, to the end of end of the year. Uh, and I was very um, uh, thankful for the uh, encouragement through God's word to persevere. Two Thessalonians, which is where we are heading for these holidays. You might want to turn back to Two Thessalonians, page sixteen eighty six. Similarly, is an encouragement for these Christians to persevere, to persevere, and uh, particularly because even worse than uh, term four, year six, they're being persecuted for their faith. And so, here's a letter from the Apostle Paul to encourage them to persevere in trusting Jesus. And this is not a new thing for them, sadly. In terms of being persecuted, given a hard time, both uh, verbally and physically, uh, for being Christian. Because earlier in the year, if you remember, we looked at 1 Thessalonians. And uh, in 1 Thessalonians, we saw this. Paul writes, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering, with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. So they've received the gospel, but it is... Uh, in the midst of their suffering. And also this, for you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews. So people within Thessalonica, uh, this uh, Greek town, uh, were, were giving them a hard time because they are following Jesus. And that was back in 1 Thessalonians. A few years earlier and now some things haven't changed paul is still uh under house arrest in corinth uh, a bit further away in greece but there the thessalonian suffering continues possibly even getting worse now that may not be quite the same as our experience but when we are inquired to endure to persevere what resources do we have well, we can draw down on our inner strength, build up our fortitude so that we can power on. We can reach out to the support of others. We can feel the encouragement and walking alongsideness of others to get us through. Two great resources, but surely our faith has a part to play as well. Well, this is what our chapter helps with. Here's the plan for today. I haven't done a three-point 
uh, same letter outline for a long time. So if you appreciate that, <laughs> now's the day. Now's the day. <laughs> That's the outline for uh, for where we're going in chapter one. Uh, because Paul starts with, he firstly commends their perseverance. Paul commends their perseverance. Have a look with me in uh, 2 Thessalonians. Uh, yeah, please have that open because I'll be uh, we'll be looking through it very closely. So, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, including the Apostle Paul and uh, some of his helpers alongside him, writing to the church in Thessalonica. He greets them, and then he says, verse 3, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so. So he's thanking God. Why? Because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. So their faith and their love, their faith in Christ Jesus, their love for one another is increasing. Again, back to 1 Thessalonians. Remember, this is the, the sequel. This is the follow-up letter. Uh, back in 1 Thessalonians, uh, faith and love were already characteristics of the Thessaloniki church. Uh, he writes in 1 Thessalonians, Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. So they already had faith and love. And Paul prayed that this may grow. So he writes in 1 Thessalonians again, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and everyone else, just as ours does for you. So they did have faith and love. Paul prayed for it to grow. And now in 2 Thessalonians, we see the answer to that prayer. How encouraging. Paul's got some new information and uh, has seen that their, their faith in Jesus, their love for one another, is increasing. What a joy that must be for Paul, stuck in prison, but hearing of how God is at work in this church. It's such a joy to our faith when we see other brothers and sisters growing in their faith. It can be hard to see, though, Particularly for many of us, uh, we've, we've, we've known each other for a little while. There's uh, some people who are new, so you might get to see it a bit more. Uh, and uh, it's hard to see the incremental growth, little by little by little. Or people in your small group, how, how easily do you see them grow? Maybe it's like this. I did, um, I did park run for the first time in a little while yesterday, and uh, the the... The course that I did is kind of an up and back course. So you run one way and you come back the same way. And uh, what, what's nice about that is you get to see people on their way back. And because I'm not, uh, obviously, I'm obviously not the fastest of all the park runners, you get to see the really good runners, you know, on my, on my way up. You see them having turned the corner and coming back and you can uh, see how they're going. It was, it was a lovely day yesterday. And the elite runners, when they run, it doesn't look like they're putting in all that much effort. It doesn't look like it. I know they are. But it doesn't look like it too much. Except for when it's raining. When it's raining, they're doing the same thing. Maybe they're straining a little bit more because it's slippery. But, you know, they've got water splashing off them and they're pumping up hard and running through all the, all the rain. It looks like they're running really hard. So in some circumstances, uh, their effort is obvious. In other circumstances, it's not so obvious. 
And I think that's a similar thing that's happened here. Their faith and their love growing is obvious because of the persecution that they're facing. They're having to show love for one another. They're actively putting their faith in Christ because of uh, their circumstance of uh, persecution and opposition to their faith. Uh, you can see that in verse 4. It says, Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. Now, back in 1 Thessalonians, we looked at uh, some of the persecutions and trials that Christians around the world today are facing. And so you can uh, return to that another time. So we won't focus on that today. But still marvel at these Christians' faith. Because persecutions and trials are one of the things that can give us doubt of our faith or discourage us in our faith. Remember the four soils in the parable of the sower that Jesus taught? Some fell on the path, some fell among uh, thorns. Remember those that the, the seed, the word of God that fell among the, amongst the rocky ground? Remember Matthew's Gospel? The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. For when trouble or persecution, same words as persecution and trials in one Thessalonians, when trouble or persecution comes because of the world, oh, sorry, because of the word, they quickly fall away. That's the danger of uh, of persecution and trouble or trials. Even if someone receives the word of God, they may quickly fall away when that pressure comes. These Thessalonians were not doing that. They were they were persevering in their faith. And Paul writes to encourage them and thanks God for them. What an encouragement that is to us as we seek to persevere in our faith. Paul commends them for their perseverance. And this, in verse 5, has made them worthy of God's kingdom, worthy of the king who persevered, King Jesus who persevered through his trials and suffering for following God. And so in these uh, trials and persecutions, with all this pressure and opposition coming uh, from others, What does Paul say to them? He thanks God for them, that's encouraging. How does he encourage them further? He does not say to draw on their inner strength, because there you'll find a way to come through. Nor does he even say to band together and we'll all get through this together. They may be helpful things, but no, Paul turns to his theology. He turns to his understanding of God to to, uh, to get them through. And here he gives them the comfort of God's justice. He gives comfort with God's justice. Have a look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. So he turns to the justice of God. We don't think about the justice of God too much uh, these days. But here what he's saying is God considers it right. He considers it just. 
It is righteous for God to bring retribution to those persecuting them and bring relief to them from their troubles, relief to the church in their troubles. Now, looking at those two, we like the relief bit. We like the promise of relief in the face of opposition. But I wonder how the thought of retribution, God paying back trouble to those who trouble you, how does that uh, how does that sit with you? Uh, have a look. I'll give you a minute. Just have a glance over verses eight and nine, just to get a picture of what that retribution looks like. It's clear, but it's pretty full on. Uh, This is one of the clearest pictures of God's judgment and of hell that is in the Bible. How does that sit with you? Maybe it doesn't sit comfortably with you. Maybe that's, there's just something there that you go, oh, that's, you know, I think that's okay. And maybe even it's the right response. Because we don't need to come to the point uh, in passages like this and go, oh yeah, that's totally fine. Uh, Because we've got different options when we come to a passage of harsh judgment here. We could could, uh, go, how could God be like that? God surely is not like that. Or that surely can't happen. God's too loving. And so we might reject that teaching because we find it uncomfortable or we find it wrong or we find it unpopular. We go, no, that's, that's, that can't be how it is. Or we would be completely fine and go, yep, sure, great. Or even be smug about it. Well, yes, that will, you know, that will happen to them. But I think our response can be more complex than either of those two and maybe should be. Because Paul is using these words here as a comfort. Because Paul is using these words here as a comfort. So it is a good thing that this is going to, that God's judgment will come. But also he's well aware of God's heart for people. His willingness for people to come back to him. And so in our second Bible reading, we saw this in Ezekiel. God says, do I take pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord, the sovereign Lord? Rather, I am not, rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their, their ways and live? So say, no, he, God doesn't take pleasure in judging the wicked. He'd much rather everyone turn from their ways and receive eternal life. Yet, God considers it just to pay back trouble to those who trouble you. It is not okay in God's justice, in his righteousness, for his people to be persecuted. And he's in the best position to know how to mete out justice. And so if we know that God is just, and he will bring justice to his people and to this world, 
then that gives us a reason to lay down arms in conflict. Uh, We can accept that people will get away with things in this life. We can let that go, knowing that God won't let it go. As a trivial, trivial example, Qantas has been in the news a lot recently. Apparently it was like the first, you know, top five most trusted brand before COVID, and now it's kind of bottom five trusted brand. And, uh, you know, we've seen Barney B. Joyce has fallen on his sword and, and, uh, and has resigned. But that's, you know, is that justice? Alan Joyce. Oh, Alan Joyce. Oh, sorry, not Barnaby Joyce. <laughs> <laughs> He's fallen on his sword and got back on again, hasn't he? Yeah. Sorry, Alan Joyce. Alan Joyce. Thank you. Uh, he's resigned. But did he get, you know, did he get all the justice he deserved for all the cancelled flights and poor um, labourers? Uh, yeah, probably not. He probably got a very good bonus at the end. That's okay. We can, we can, we might be angry, but we can let that go. We can let that go. Because ultimate justice will come. Again, very trivial. For these Christians here, they can endure suffering at the hands of others, knowing that God will not let that go. So instead, Paul's encouragement to us is do not take revenge, my dear friends. Us don't take revenge. But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Uh, this quote from uh, Chris Watkins really is really helpful. The Bible's picture of final judgment means that justice will be exhaustively done by God in the end. And so it does not have to be exhaustively done by us right now. That frees us up to forgive, frees us up to move on, frees us up to let go, knowing that God will pick up justice in the end. Next term, after holidays, we're going to be, we've got a series coming up on conflict and forgiveness, which will help us think through as a church what this all uh, looks like. So uh, look out for that in a few weeks' time. But let us look closely at what, uh, what this justice of God is. So verse 6, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. So notice the judgment is not now. We may not see justice now, but it'll happen when the Lord Jesus returns. It's a future judgment and therefore it's also a future relief. The relief to come for these Christians is in the future when Jesus returns. Uh, he will, uh, the Lord Jesus, verse 8, he will punish those who do not know God. That word for punish is the vengeance word. He will return uh, to them. It's, he'll punish those who do not know God, those without a personal relationship with God, and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. That's the, that's the, the, the defining marker. For those who follow Jesus and obey his ways, trust in his gospel or not. And so that's who will be punished, 
how will they be punished? They'll be punished with everlasting destruction. That is, they will come to ruin. There'll be an implosion of life. I watched the film Nightmare Alley the other day, you may not have heard of it, uh, about, uh, about a, a carnival person who, um, who rises through the ranks with his um, uh, sleight of hand trickery show and uh, becomes quite posh and gives his show to posh people. That's kind of the first half of the film. And the second half of the film is all about his implosion of life as he makes bad choice and he goes from a very comfortable position to kind of the lowest of the low. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and even worse, shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Remember earlier in the year we looked at Leviticus and Numbers and the great joy of Israel was the glory of the Lord coming into the tabernacle, God being with them all his blessings for them, all his protection over them, all his provision for them. Well, here this is the opposite. Shut out from all of that, from all of God's blessing, all of God's provision, and of God himself. The complete opposite of what God has made us for. This is a terrible thing. Uh, is it fair? These Christians and people around us are living as though they don't want the presence of the Lord. They're happy to be shut off from his glory. They don't want to know him. And so that's what God gives them. Now you might have heard teaching around this, maybe this is a 50 years ago thing, where you would hear about the terrible nature of hell and God's judgment. And so therefore we need to repent and turn to Jesus. Or therefore we need to make sure that we keep trusting Jesus. And that's a fair thing to reflect on today because I don't want this to be you and I hope you don't want this for me. I don't want this for my neighbours and my family. And so we need to keep trusting this and we need to keep sharing the gospel with people because only in the gospel in Jesus that this is turned, that all this uh, destruction and shutting out from God is turned away from us because God, because uh, Jesus experienced it on the cross. But that's not the point here. That's not the point. Uh, we've got the great truth that we avoid this if we trust in Jesus. We all deserve this punishment. But in Jesus, we're turned to Him. But the reason Paul says it here is to give them comfort. Is to give them comfort. The truth that he encourages them with is that God is just. He will put it right. God is just. He will put it right. And so, there's relief coming. 
Quickly, verse 10. On the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among those who have believed, this includes you because you've, in, you've believed our testimony to you. There's relief coming to these Christians. They will be glorified, or Jesus will be glorified in them because of their trust in the apostles' message, their trust in the gospel. And so now, just to finish up quickly, Paul constantly prays for their growth. Verse 11, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. So knowing that all that all the all their oppressors, all their persecutors, God will deal with them. They're called to patiently endure. And so leaving vengeance to God, what do they what are they now to do? They're now to call on God for growth. For growth. And so we call on God to grow our hearts and our hands. Our hearts, firstly, that he may bring to fruition every desire for goodness. Our hearts are a mix, aren't they, of good, good desires and bad desires. Every good desire we have, may God grow that in our hearts so it may lead to a harvest of good things. And then, uh, and your every deed prompted by faith might bring to fruition every deed prompted by faith. Again, if we have faith in Jesus, we will be prompted by God to go, I should do that thing because it's good. I should do that thing out of love for God. Whatever that might be. At school or at work or at home. I'm, I'm, I, I, I should do this because of my faith. Uh, we'll hear later on about, uh, I'll mention Operation Christmas Child. Uh, that might be a good prompt to do something good out of your faith and be generous to others. And Paul prays this in the, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. Paul ultimately wants Jesus glorified and Jesus will be glorified in them if they keep following Jesus and you in him. They will be glorified in Jesus. All the glory of Jesus, they will be wrapped up in that all according to the grace our Lord God, uh, of, of our Lord God and of Jesus Christ. And so, my friends, we may never experience the persecution that they in Thessalonica back then went through, and we can be thankful for that. But there may come a time where you experience significant injustice. Might be a small thing, might be a big thing. We may have different struggles and injustices through our life. Come back to the truth here, the theology here that God is just. He will put it right. There may well come a time where you need to cling on to that. The wicked will be punished. Relief is promised. And knowing that, let us pray together that we may be worthy of God's calling desiring goodness and doing good deeds. Amen.